0: every word in it is true. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I'll be taught God's Word. It's His truth transforming every part of my life, and I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God is so good. He is so good. Today's sermon is entitled Invictus, which is a Latin word that Tricia defined for me that means unconquered or undefeated. And you're probably thinking, why does that have anything to do with anything? Well, a couple of Sundays ago, Danny, you haven't heard this, so you're going to get to hear a story. Um, A couple of Sundays ago, after first service, I was walking to the back and one of the gentlemen in the church walked up to me and says, Pastor, do you wear a watch? I don't wear a watch. Part of the reason I don't wear a watch is because I have a fur coat around my arm all the time. And it's uncomfortable. But I've just never really worn a watch. And uh, I said, well, I really don't wear one. He said, well, I just I want to give you a watch. I said, okay. And so he, hands me, he takes off his wrist and hands me an Invicta watch. Which for some of you guys will understand what that is. I didn't know what an Invicta watch was. And I took it and took it into my office. That afternoon I went over to Danny's dad's memorial service. And uh, got there a little early and went down and greeted Danny and Jamie and, and uh, Carly and hugged his neck. And right before his dad's service, Danny says, I'm so glad you're here because I have something for you. I've never been to a memorial service where somebody had something for me, Danny. Danny. But he turns around and Jamie hands me a box. And this box is military grade. I'm thinking there's a nuclear weapon in this box. I mean, this thing has clips all over it. It's this heavy-duty plastic. Looks like something you'd get a GPS in. He goes, open it up. And I open it up and it's an Invicta watch. With the entire New Testament on a microchip. I still don't know how to read that, Danny, but I'm glad to know it's on there. I don't wear a watch twice in one day. God gives me an Invicta watch. Do you think he's trying to tell me something? (laughs) I may be from Texas, I may be a little slow, but I know when God's beginning to speak to me and trying to get my attention. And so I went back and began to pray and talked to some friends of mine that I trust that have a prophetic gift and asked them what this meant. And they began to talk to me about God's timing. And they began to talk to me about God's word Invicta, which means unconquered. And I thought, God is beginning and getting ready to do something in our church, in our family. He used you to help be a part of that. So this message today is encapsulating some of the things that he's shown me over the last couple of weeks to communicate. I believe these are words that he wants to communicate to us. Why? Because God is wanting to do Something. I want to skip down in your notes today to Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 30. This is God speaking. In my opinion, this is one of the saddest verses in the entire Bible. This is in the Old Testament. I want to read this to you. God says, I looked for a man among them who would build up the wall. I was looking for someone to stand for me in the gap on behalf of the land so that I would not have to destroy it. But I found no one. God said, I was looking for somebody to stand in the gap. I was looking for somebody that was willing to stand up and stand in the gap for the people. Somebody that was willing to step in and pray. Somebody that was willing to step in and work. And he said, I looked and there was nobody. And when I read that, I realized that a lot of the reason that people don't stand up or stand in the gap is because of fear, they're scared. And I want to tell you right now, you'd have to be an ostrich to not understand what's going on in the world. And the truth is, there are a lot of things that you could be scared about right now if you begin to look. And fear is a real thing that we have to deal with in our life. You know, there's, there's a number of reasons why we won't be willing to stand up and stand in the gap when God's looking for somebody. The first thing is, we're afraid of our past. We feel like maybe what we've done, who we've been, disqualifies us from God being able to use us. And the devil uses this one all the time. He says, God can't use you. You know you. Look what you've done. And so instead of stepping in and raising our hand and saying, God, here I am, we disqualify ourselves because of what we've done. Romans 11 verse 29 in the Message Bible says this, God's gifts and God's call are under full warranty. They're never canceled and they're never rescinded. When God calls you, he calls you. And your past does not disqualify you. As a matter of fact, folks, if you'll give God your past, he will use your past to change people in your present and into your future. God is willing to use your brokenness. But here's the challenge. You have to give it to him. A lot of people are broken and they don't want to give God their past. They don't want to give him the ability to work on it. They refuse to go to the doctor they refuse to allow him fear of our past the other reason that people tend to not want to allow God to work in their lives to step in the gap is they they're afraid of the crowd they're afraid of what other people are going to think of them how many of you maybe were in a family where you said I want to go to church and people looked at you like you had a third eye you know what I'm talking about I mean, you were concerned what all your friends were. Oh, if I start going to church, everybody's going to think I'm one of those Jesus freaks or something. And, and so we become afraid of what others around us will think. Proverbs 29 verse 25 says this, Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Number three on your notes, one of the other reasons why we tend to be fearful of allowing God to use us is that we're afraid of taking the first step. We want to do it, but we're concerned about stepping out and doing it. You know, there's a great story about Noah and the ark, and I want you to remember something today, and I'm going to show it to you in Scripture. When God spoke to Noah and told him that he was going to send a flood on the earth, at that time in history, it had never rained. So when God was speaking to Noah, telling him there was going to be a flood, I can imagine Noah going... All right, God, what's going to happen? There's going to be a flood. Noah said, what's that? What do you mean a flood? I don't even know what a flood is. So Noah was having to deal with something that, you know, he starts building this ark, and everybody around him is looking at him like he's crazy. By faith, Noah, when warned about the things not yet seen, that's talking about rain, in holy fear, he built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world And became the heir of righteousness that comes by faith. There's a fourth reason, and I think probably the biggest one, of why we tend not to serve God. We tend not to stand in the gap. And it's because we're afraid of failure. We're afraid we're going to fail. And so in our minds, we say, well, I'd rather not do it than fail. And so God may put something in your heart. he say, hey, I want you to come teach these kids. I don't want to teach. What if I fail? What if I fail? Let me explain something to you guys. Y'all, failure is not final. Failure is not final. Just because you fail, that doesn't mean it's over. God has a plan to restore you, but you have to cooperate with him. And you have to be willing to take the risk and take the first step. You know, I have learned something being your pastor for the last seven years now. And I've learned this one truth that is an absolute truth. And I'm going to teach you guys something today that if you'll allow God to speak to your heart today, this, this next few moments will change your life forever. Okay, so I want you to really pay attention. How many of you like football? <laughs> Good. How many of you have heard of football? Okay, I want to make sure I'm talking to people that have at least some level of understanding. In football, they have a playbook. And I played tight end, which is a receiver, blocker and a receiver, and I played outside linebacker. And we had plays. And what would happen is the coach would tell the quarterback on offense what play to run. And then the quarterback would tell the players, and we would know how to respond, what we were supposed to do. And so as a tight end, that meant sometimes I would run out for a pass. And the quarterback would throw me the ball. But I learned something very interesting. If I didn't run the route that the quarterback told me to run, he wouldn't throw me the ball. So I want you to imagine. Here, Trish, pitch that to me real quick. I want you to imagine for a moment good throw, well done. I want you to imagine for a moment that, that you're out playing this, this game and you're a receiver and the quarterback says, here's what I want you to do, backyard football. I want you to run 10 yards and then I want you to turn at an angle and then turn around and look. And when you look, I'm going to throw you the ball. Does that make sense to everybody? Okay, that's the play. But then you run out there and you get ready and you go, you know what? I think I want a drink of water. Or, you know what, the cheerleaders are over the air, and I think I'd rather go talk to them. Yeah. I did that. And, or, you know, you know what, there, there's mom, you know, I mean, and, and all of a sudden you get distracted and then the quarterback says, huh, and then you go wander off and do whatever you want to do. Yep. And you're standing over on the sideline and the quarterback's back there and he's looking for you to be over here because you just discussed the play from the playbook. And he gets ready to throw you the ball and you're over there. See, we do this in life. The Bible is our playbook. And God tells us that if you want to be blessed in life, here are the things you need to do. And if you'll do these things, if you'll run the route, I'll throw you the ball. But if you don't run the route, I'm not going to throw you the ball. But here's how we respond a lot of times. We run the route the way we want to run the route. So we're standing over on the sideline talking to the cheerleaders. And then we look back, and the quarterback's running around. He throws it to somebody else. And then we get mad at him for not throwing it to us. Is that crazy? No. You're right, sweetheart. Smartest one in the room right there. She goes, no. No. But we do that in life. In other words, let me break it down for you so we all understand. You can't do whatever you want to do and expect God to bless it. You can't decide you're going to disobey God and run your own plays and that God's going to throw you the ball just because you want it. Folks, listen to me. Blessing follows obedience. There's only one way. And God has given us the plan. And you say, Pastor, why are you talking about this? Because God's timing invictus, us, and I see what God is beginning to say. And what he is telling us as a church is that each one of us needs to line up, find out what our position is, and play. But there's something else that happened to me during this period of time in my life. The guys Wednesday night got to hear this. I was playing defense one night. The ball got turned over, which means now we get to be the offensive side, and uh, I ran over to the sideline, took my helmet off, grabbed me some Gatorade, and I'm standing there watching the game. Well, I look out and I notice there's a huddle, and in the huddle is the quarterback, and the quarterback's leaning down, and then he stands up and he starts looking around. Then he leans down again, stands up, starts looking around, and calls time out. I'm wondering what the problem is. I'm curious. What's wrong with Tracy? Tracy was our quarterback. I wonder what his deal is. And I stand there, I'm talking to my buddies. Well, Tracy runs over and starts to talk to the coach. Football game's going on. I don't know when I began to shake uncontrollably. It was probably when the coach began to yell my name. Clem, 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 Clem. Over the din of the crowd, the band and everybody else was there, I hear him. Holler my name Now I will say this in defense of myself I was smart enough to put my helmet on (laughs) So I put my helmet on I go running down to the sideline And the coach and I had a wonderful conversation We talked about the weather How things were going He wondered how I felt You know, no that's not what happened See, I was supposed to be on the field And I was on the sideline And I'll never forget the coach reaching up and grabbing my helmet oh so gingerly, pulling it to his face this far away. I remember. The other reason I really remember is because he dipped either Skull or Copenhagen or Red Man, and I can't remember which, but as he began to tell me how excited he was that I wasn't on the field, I began to get that all over me. But here's what he said that I'll never forget and that I don't want you to ever forget. Get your head in the game. Get your head in the game. Because see, what we're doing here is critical. What God has called us to is critical. Critical. And when you don't show up, and when you decide to run your own route, it's not just you that's impacted. See, because I wasn't in my spot, they had to stop the entire game because I wasn't where I was supposed to be. And when you don't function in your role in the body of Christ, we don't operate as well as we should because we all have a part to play. And each part is just as important as the other. There is no part on God's team that's not as important as everybody else. Everybody matters in God's kingdom. I'll tell you one more football story. Because I love me some football. When we were in Victoria, I assistant coached for Miles. It was his first year playing football. He played wide receiver and. Uh, we were out practicing one day, and there was a gentleman that walked over from an apartment complex. He was probably in his early 30s. He was part of a group home, special needs. I think he worked at one of the local grocery stores doing carts or something like that. He was just barely able to function and get out and do things. And he would come to the practices. Every time he'd practice, he'd come stand on the sidelines and watch the boys play. And he'd cheer, and he'd just loved to be out there. One day our, our coach went over to him, and I can't remember his name. Do you remember his name? He went over to him and said, Would you like to be an assistant coach on our team? You would have thought this guy had won the lottery. He said, You bet. He said, What do you want me to do, coach? He said, I want you to be in charge of our special teams. Your job is whenever we go out to kick the ball, you are the one in control. Of the kickstand. And you carry it out there and you place it on the field. And after they kick the ball, you run out there and you bring it back. And we got him a coach's shirt. And he was at every game. He was more faithful than anybody. He was there. And I want to tell you something, folks. One game, <laughs> our boys kicked the ball off. He was on the field running out there to get the thing, and they're running, playing around him. But he was so focused. <laughs> on doing his job, he started coming to church. One morning in church, and this is thousands of people, I'm in the sound booth, and I'm standing at the back of the sound booth watching the sound team run, the media team run everything, and I hear this sound behind me of someone singing or something like that. And I, was, I thought something was wrong with the sound system. So I'm having the guys check because it was just as, Ooh, I didn't know what was going on. And they're checking and Trish was with me. And I turned around and looked and he was standing behind me. <laughs> Both her hands raised, singing his heart out. And Trisha said in her infinite wisdom, That's the most beautiful voice in this place. His head was in the game. And he played as hard as he could at the position God gave him. And let me tell you something. God's as proud of him as anybody that's ever played the game of football. Get your head in the game. There's no excuse It's good enough. And the cost is too much if we don't all participate. And it's time. And I want you to understand that word invicta, invictus, which means unconquerable, undefeated. The church cannot be overcome by darkness, folks. But the only hope of the world is the local church. And guess who's the local church? Look around you. You are the church. You are the light of the world. And if we don't do it, no one will. We're it. We are the backup plan. And God has empowered us with the Holy Spirit. If we'll just receive him and make ourselves available, I refuse to be the church where God says, I was looking for a church to stand in the gap for this community, but there wasn't one. That's not us. I want all of our hands to be raised. Lord, send us. We may not know what we're doing, but we'll try awful hard. There's a sign in my office that says God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. If you'll just give him something to work with, he'll do miracles through your life. And this church is an example of that. Amen? Amen. So, what does that mean? Well, I'm going to go through these last couple of points. I put my iPad down, now I don't know where I put it. Here it is. Why does it matter if I make a difference, and how can I do it? How can I make a difference? We need to make a difference for those that are closest to us. Listen to this. Genesis chapter 7, verse 1. The Lord then said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and your whole family... Because I have found you righteous in this generation. Let me explain something to you. When you follow God, when you become obedient, it doesn't just impact your life. It impacts your family, folks. When you choose to follow the Lord, it impacts those that are closest to you. Noah's family was saved because of his faithfulness. And I want to tell you something. For some of you, maybe the answer is not with your teenagers to beat them over the head. Maybe the answer is to love them and get them to church and let God work on them amen because obviously what you're doing isn't working (laughs) right maybe the answer to the neighbor that bugs you to pieces is for them to get saved amen amen Amen. (laughs) why else do we need to make a difference we need to make a difference for our generation this is our time I'm so aware of that. I turned 50 here in a couple months. I'm so aware that I probably have less time before me than I do in my past, and, and I, I want my life to count, but I want your life to count too. You know, the other day, and I'm so thankful for Josh coming in. He did a Didn't Josh do an amazing job? So thankful. Can't tell you how good it makes me feel to have Josh come in, because I know you guys are incredibly well taken care of. But I went down, guys, I buried my uncle. I've lost two uncles in the last year. This uncle was the dean of Southwestern Assembly of God University. They named a building after him. He was the one, he and my father dedicated me to ministry when I was born. Laid hands on me and dedicated me to ministry. Now, they didn't tell me until I was about 20. I told them that would saved me a lot of time if they'd have told me that earlier. He passed away. They showed a video of him preaching at the uh, graduation of the university. He was speaking to the graduates. And he made a comment in the video that I want to relay to you guys. He said, God will use you to the extent, Chloe, of your preparation. E.B., God will use you to the extent of your preparation. We have to prepare so that God can use us present that day were two of the three college presidents who are acting presidents of Christian universities in the United States right now that he was their personal mentor he was the most humble guy you'd ever meet if he was sitting in here you wouldn't even take notice of him but he left a legacy that's touching lives and changing part of the world his head was in the game Finally, why we need to make a difference is for God. You know, we've sung these songs this morning. We've taken communion. I don't know about you, but I am so thankful. I love you guys. I was so glad to get home, Trish and I both. It was great to come into restaurants and sit down and people say, I heard y'all had a loss. I'm glad you're here. Here's your half tea, half lemonade. (laughs) I love that. I love being part of a community that's a family. We love each other here, folks, and I hope you know how good we've got it, because we could be in a lot of places where it's not like this at all, but we have a responsibility to the Lord. You're going to see, over the next few months and years, you're going to see churches around the country that are... That are, in theory, going to begin to build up walls around them, invisible walls where they hunker down and they say, oh, we've got to protect ourselves from this evil world. The church was never meant to be a fortress. The church is meant to be a hospital. The church is meant to be a place that changes its communities and cultures, not as a fortress that keeps people out ever. Our job is to reach the hurting and lost people in our community. And if you want to see communities change, introduce people to Jesus and let them become changed.
1: Amen.
0: That is our mission. Amen. And we will settle here for nothing less. Why? Because our head is in the game. One of these days, it's all going to be over with. Like my uncle, he's done, he's run his race. And the Bible tells us that we want to be in a position where we hear Jesus look at us and say, Good job. Well done, my good and faithful servant. I hope he fist bumps me. (laughs) Probably will. Right? But I want that. And it's not because we're perfect. And it's not because we're going to do everything right, but it's because we just trust God and we're going to surrender to him and we're going to give 110% every time we go out there because people matter. Jesus died for people just like me and you. And this Saturday, there's going to be thousands of them standing out here and you get an opportunity to be Jesus' hands and feet to them. Do you understand me? But there's going to be more coming because soon I'm going to ask more of you Where we're going to begin to invest in the lives of people. And it's going to take effort. And it's not going to always be easy. But that's what it takes to change our community. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand this morning. I hope you understood this today because I feel like this is the heartbeat of God. That he's calling on us to make a difference. It's our time. But we don't have to worry about losing. We just got to show up. Let's, Let's all enter an attitude of prayer real quick. Father, I thank you for this time today. Lord, I know that this word is so simple, Father. It's so clear. At least it's clear to me, Lord, how you just lay it out for us. You don't make your word too complicated. Even a child understand this Lord even a child can understand this Lord I just pray right now in Jesus name that you would begin to speak to each of our hearts this is for all of us this is for me also none of us are above this or below it And Father fear is running rampant in our world your word says that in times like these that people's hearts would fail because of fear but we are not those people Because the hope of the world lives inside of us. Jesus, you told us that we are the light of the world. That you want us to shine. That you want us to love those around us. That you want us to point people to the cross. If you're here today, nobody looking around. This is important. I know I'm talking to a whole lot of Christians this morning. If you're here today and maybe you've found yourself being on the sideline, the truth is you and I both know right now that you've been doing your own thing. I know what that feels like. But you know you haven't been doing what God's asked you to do. Maybe it's sin. Maybe you've chosen to run your own route and disobey Him. And God's used this message as a wake-up call for you. Folks, the wages of sin is death every single time. Maybe you're here today and you're a Christian, but you've been sitting on the sideline like I was. Instead of being out where I needed to be, I was, I was in the wrong place. But Lord, what a gift it was when my coach called my name. He didn't overlook me, he called me. And so right now, I believe that you are calling people. For some of those that have been sitting on the sideline. You're telling them it's time to play. It's time to do their part. If that's you today, right now, in the holiness of this moment, this is about surrender to God's will for your life. If you would say, Pastor, that's me. I need to surrender my heart to him. I need to get my head in the game. Just slip your hand up. see hands all over the place. Thank you, thank you. You can put your hands down, that's good. It's a lot of people, y'all. And that's awesome that you recognize that. If that was you that that lifted your hand up, I just want you to know something. God sees your heart today. He sees that your desire to get right with him and get get back focused where you need to be. I want to do this. Everybody grab your neighbor's hand. I want us to all pray this together because that was a lot of people. This is an opportunity for all of us to really recommit. That's great. Grab the hands of those around you. That's awesome. Let's all pray this together. Lord Jesus, right now, I come to you. I surrender my life to you. Forgive me as I've walked away, as I've sinned. Thank you for loving me and forgiving me. Right now, I give you my life. Here I am, Lord. Use me. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's the thing. If you prayed that and you meant it, as simple as that was, it's a heart issue, guys. If you meant that, God's gonna put you back in the game. Now your job is to find your place. And that's my job, is to help you find your place. Right? So if you raised your hand today, here's what I expect. I want you to contact the church office. I want to set up a time to get with you. Why? To get you in the game. You understand? If you didn't raise your hand, but you knew you should have, that means you too. Amen? You guys know how much God loves you. A whole lot. Let me speak a blessing over you today. Father, thank you for this time that we can come together. Lord, I pray that you would bless this amazing church. These amazing people. Put your hand on them. Bless their families. Lord, bless their work. Father, let their lives be a testimony of your love and your mercy and your goodness. Lord, I just pray that you would be with them, that, Father, in small ways, you would just show up and show them that you're there. And I thank you for that, Lord. Let us leave this place today so in tune with your love for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Topanga, happy 16th birthday to you tomorrow. (laughs) Well, here's what I want you to do, guys. Here's what I want you to do. You're going to walk out. I want you to look at five people. You can do it at once or individually, I don't care. And look at them and say, you are the light of the world. Shine. You guys have a great day. God bless you as you go.